This is Stephanie <laughs> and the filthy minister and his wife. <laughs> make any that no, 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 no. You leave that just the way it is. When I mess up, you make me keep it. Well, I wanted to start, and you just jumped right in there. Okay, so you always. Start. All right, ready? One, two, three, go. Hey, everybody! This is the filthy minister and his bride. I'm Joshua Price. I'm the. I'm not the bride. I'm the filthy minister, and the lady that you just heard from. That's my lovely. Yes. Bride. Yes, I am. Yes. So. And her name is Stephanie Price. Because oh, my goodness. She, she won't tell you that. It gets okay, on her nerves that, that I ask her to. Okay, so. ladies and gentlemen, we're here tonight. <laughs> that was chaotic. Yes, it was. And we have a new discussion topic for you, a new mistake that we want to share. We don't really want to share our mistakes, but. <laughs> That's the thing is, is this, we're having to be vulnerable. So y'all have no idea how difficult that is, knowing that anybody can download this and listen to it and then draw conclusions about us that we're not comfortable with. Well, they do that anyway. Whether we share it or not, they're going to draw conclusions about us. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Okay, yeah, good point. I mean, we're ragamuffins. We're scallywags. What's a ragamuffin or a scallywagon? It's it's not a scallywagon. What is it? You said scallywagon. Scallywag. Scallywag? Yes. What is that? Scallywag. A scoundrel. These terms just think, keep, keep getting older. I think pirates used. Pirates now. What year were you born? <laughs> I know there's nine years between us, but Arr. I'm on the younger side of that. If you didn't know, <laughs> does, that, does that sound? Does this sound? Does that sound pirate? Arr. See, he's still stuck on the pirate thing. Look over here, you One ragamuffin. Track mine. Does that sound? Okay, we're way off track, and we're so glad that you joined us. <laughs> and we would just want to jump right in. So here we go. Yeah. So tonight we're talking about a, another mistake that we have made in ministry. We shared one with you in the last podcast. And what mistake was that? I forgot. Really? Seriously. You forget everything. It was, what was boundaries. It? it was boundaries. Yes, okay. boundaries. That's right. All, right. All right. So we talked about boundaries last time. <laughs> and our boundaries that, you know, we quite frankly at times did not do a very good job of keeping. And it can become problematic. We're going to talk about another mistake that we've made in 17 years of ministry. And it's similar to the boundaries. that I mean, it goes right along with it, but it's more on our side of the field, so to speak. And that is making all things church a priority over marriage and family. And over 17 years, I have done that. Let's get honest for just a second, just so we can set everything right, right out of the gate. This has been more my problem, obviously, than it's been your problem. Mm. You... No, seriously, sweetheart. I I think you have suffered more at the hands of my doing here as opposed to vice versa. I have made the church over 17 years at different times and different seasons, not even realizing really what I was doing until it was brought to my attention. I have made church a priority beyond what it should be in our marriage relationship. But I think if it was the tables turned, I think we would have the same issue. It's just simply because you're in the role of pastor and I... I played the role of mom and wife. Right. And so I'm more in the house. I'm more involved with the kids. I'm more involved with making sure things run smoothly and go and 
you were more in the role of being a pastor. And I see what you mean with that. But the bottom line is, and and people, y'all need to understand, it didn't excuse my behavior uh, at times. I tell you what, let's back up. Let's go back to 2000 and roughly my Bible just slid down off my lap and you can hear the pages (laughs) all ruffling. (laughs) They're all messed up. So let's go back to probably in the vicinity of about 2006. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2006. 2006 is when it reared its head uh, for the first time. We had started at the church that we served in the Metroplex. That was October 23rd, 2005. Yes. So in 2006, now this was my first pastorate. I just started. I was an eager beaver. I was ready to charge hell with the proverbial squirt gun in hand and wanted to serve the church every waking moment of my day. And we had just been married in 2004. Um, in August of 2004, we had Caleb, our first son, in November of 2005. So um, we started at the church in October of 2005 and had Caleb in November of 2005. So he was two weeks old when he came to the church for the first time. And we were married for just a little more than a year at the time. And there are nine years between us, like I said a while ago. So I was 23 years old when we started at the church. Brand new mom, brand new family, brand new marriage. And if you do the math, 23 plus nine equals... Thirty two. Twenty four, twenty five. Oh my goodness, really? Twenty three, thirty-three minus Thir- one nine. Thirty two. Oh my goodness. Right? Thirty two. Wow. Good math. That was fast math, guys. <laughs> mm. So anyway, I'm thirty two. And here we are. We're new at the marriage thing, the parenting thing, and we are new at the church thing. I come home one day. I had been getting up early. I would get up before the sun was up. I would go to the church. I would serve all day. Wouldn't take a lunch. I just wanted to be in the building. I wanted to be in my Bible. I wanted to be thinking through all these things. I was taking notes. I had all these ideas. And I mean, I'm just doing this all day long and just taking it in. Just so excited. Still couldn't believe that the Lord had called a schmuck like me to do this. And I was tired at home with the baby. And I was by myself and alone. And I would go to the church and I would try to be helpful, but it just didn't work out. <laughs> and I would get home late. I, I didn't think anything of it. And in my mind, I was doing the Lord's work. I mean, this is the Lord's work. Hey, (laughs) this is the Lord's. I'm trying to get deeper, but it's not working. Mm. This is the Lord's work, right? And so I would get home late. I wouldn't come home during the day. She's at home with Caleb. I am oblivious until the day that I walked in. She wasn't there to greet me. I walked into the living room in our little house that we had at the time, made my way down the hallway. I could hear her voice. I knew where she was at. She was in our bedroom. I walked in the bedroom. Bedroom. Yeah. She was on the other side of the bed and she had a look on her face. She looked very upset and you accused me of doing what? What, did you, what did you do? Having an affair. And I immediately started. He got uh, mad. He got defensive. He's like, how dare you spend all my time doing nothing but working for our family and serving our family. And, and I'm at the church all day long and I would never do such a thing. I was offended that you would even insinuate that I would have an affair. Mm-hmm. And what did you tell me? After that, you I wasn't talking about another woman. I was talking about the church. 
And that, folks, right there blew me away. And it has stuck with me all the way to this day. And it still is a powerful moment whenever we think back and we tell the story about it. But it was the truth. The truth was that I was taking all of my time every day, and I was spending it at the church with a disregard for my wife, my son at the house, and my responsibility to look after them and love them and cherish them and care for them, my wife knew the truth at that point, and that was that she was not number one. I remember he had this portrait in his office. I think he had it made after that to kind of reestablish, I am working on this and I'm making you a priority. And and so he had this portrait made, a, a canvas that he hung up in his office and it had me and Caleb in it. And at the bottom, it said my first priority. It said my first ministry. My first ministry. So I remember walking into his office one day and it had been a while since the accusation of the affair had happened and he'd been trying to work on things. And But I was frustrated because we were still just in this rut and I walked in his office at the church and I took that thing off the wall and I walked out. His office wasn't that far from the front door. So I went to the front door of the church and I just threw it out in the parking lot. <laughs> and my first thought was, I'm so glad that there are no members here to see this. <laughs> Y'all probably find this hard to believe. I don't know if this thought has ever crossed your mind, but your pastor and pastor's wife, they do argue. (laughs) And not only do they argue, but they argue in the church sometimes when you're not around. Us probably more than others, but yes, yes, we've had those moments. But I was so defeated and frustrated, and in that moment, I let my frustration get a hold of me, and it was probably not a good idea because I just threw it right out there in the parking lot. Well, I did whatever was necessary to appease her for a while. I tried to make that correction. I did it successfully for a short while, but then I reverted back to my behavior. And then that found us in that moment where she took that and threw it into the parking lot. Life just doesn't quit. It just keeps going, right? So you have another kid. We had Levi. We moved into another house. I stayed home full time after we had Levi. Then we had Journey. Things just kept progressing. Life doesn't slow down. In fact, it gets busier and it becomes more complicated. You just have more stresses that add to your life. You have to be disciplined, not to just know what the areas are that you're making mistakes, not just to know them in your mind and be aware of them, but you have to be disciplined in how you're going to correct them and what steps you're going to take and making those steps a discipline and a priority in order to fix the priority. In order to change the behavior and shift the priorities, you have to be disciplined to change your habits. There will never be a shortage of stress or distraction or good things that can be mistakenly placed out of priority. Over 17 years, we have been presented with more and more responsibility, more opportunities to serve people, more opportunities for education, more opportunities to build relationships. The discipline that is required of us today is greater than the discipline that was required when we first started in ministry. Right. And we didn't have it together then. And we, I don't think we have it together now either. No. (laughs) 
we're going to figure it out one of these days. But you know, the verse that I think of, there's a couple of verses that come to mind. One of them is Genesis 2.24, and we're all familiar with it. We've heard it at every wedding, you know, where we are reminded the man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That does not include members of the congregation. That, that does not include the church. That doesn't include the children. That says that the man shall leave his father and mother and he will cling. There's not even an action for the wife in that verse. It says that the man will leave his father and mother and the man will cleave unto his wife and the two will become one flesh. Listen, guys, we have a responsibility to cleave unto our wives. It is our responsibility to keep that priority in line. It is our discipline to make sure that the church knows the priority of our wives. It says that the man will leave his father and mother and the man shall cleave unto his wife and the two will become one flesh. And the other verse that I think of is Ephesians 5.25. I don't have it right in front of me or do we it says, that. husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's talk about that, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Okay, so that's Christ loving the church. It says, husbands, love your wives. Yeah, that's the comparison. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. It doesn't say, husbands, love the church as Christ loved the church. Right. It says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loves the church. We need to be loving our wives. Yeah. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. We should be loving our wives and making a sacrifice for our wives. The church needs to understand who the church is in relationship to that. Husbands, love your wives. So those are the two verses that really come to mind. Right. Uh, that it's like, boom, bam, you know? So anyway, all right. You know what it reminds me of? I remember I saw a cartoon one time. It was on reverendfun.com. I don't know if any of you people look at that, but it had a picture of this pastor that was leaning over a pulpit, and he's in just total despair. And it says, the title of this week's sermon is, I just spent all week working on a sermon, and I got nothing. <laughs> I remember that. I cut that out. And that's the truth. Okay, so anybody out there that wants to hear this right now and think that that's an excuse. I mean, there were many, many, many times the duties of a pastor went far beyond what you were able to do during a week. And sometimes in order to keep the priority of what God wanted, which is your family first, mm -hmm, right? sometimes things had to be put aside and you had to just trust that God had a plan. He was going to give you the words. He was going to carry you through. He was going to give you the preparation and the time you needed as long long as you kept your priorities straight and that pleases the Lord more than you being in your study alone by yourself so focused on trying to get the right words and laying it out all on your own you know letting God have control and you doing what you know that he expects you to do and making your family the priority that it's supposed to be and allowing him to meet that need but that's hard it is hard and I know that because you're the one that has to get up there and you're the one that has to potentially look like a fool if you don't have what you need. But God has never let you look like a fool when you were obedient to him. That is really good. That's that's our fear that we're going to get up and we're going to, I mean, how many times have you had that dream?
dream, that repeated dream about standing up in front of a congregation and not having your Bible, not having what you needed. I've had that dream tons of times where where I'm supposed to be preaching somewhere and then it's like I'm supposed to be there and yeah, I don't have my Bible or I I can't find my suit or something. Don't have your notes or... Whatever, something related to preparation that I'm missing because I get anxiety about that. I, I think a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, they do because we take it so seriously but we can take it so seriously to the point that we neglect our wives. And that you're putting it all on your own shoulders and expecting something to happen from your own works, your own ability, something that's within you to make something happen within a sermon instead of relying on your relationship with the Lord and your obedience to the Lord and living out what's in his word. Not just being a a listener of the word, not just reading the word, but being a doer of the word, which is what it says and calls us to do. We shouldn't be just somebody that knows and can read and can memorize and recite the scripture. We should be somebody that lives out the scripture and therefore God is able to do something in us and through us. So we should be loving our wives, cleaving to our wives and then relying on the Lord's help and the power of the Holy Spirit and manage our time appropriately. Yeah. Doesn't mean that we don't prepare. It doesn't mean right. that we just throw everything aside and then show up in the pulpit on Sunday and say, okay, God, here we go. Let's do this. No, it's not what that means, but it does mean that we need to carve out time with our wives first. We need to carve out the time that is needed to make sure that our wives know that they are loved and cherished and cared for. That needs to be done first. And then we need to take the other and we work that in. We don't work our wives into our schedule. We we build our schedule around our wives. When we say first, we're not talking about the church and God being the same. We're talking about your relationship with God obviously is the priority. But after that, your family and your wife should be the next priority. The church is not in that equation yet. The church is, as a pastor, falls under your responsibility. It does. This is real important, and we're going to wrap this up because we're running out of time. It's also our responsibility to help the congregation know this. We need to be disciplined to this responsibility, and we need to communicate that, and we need to make that clear to those that we serve so that they can adjust their expectations accordingly. Again, this kind of falls in line with boundaries last week, but let me tell you, from experience, people in the church will violate those boundaries. They will, if the opportunity is noticed, don't discount the work of the enemy to get in there. We need to take it seriously and know that the enemy is real and he wants to get a hold of the church and he also wants to get a hold of your family and he wants to destroy it. And if we're not making the priorities that we need to in their correct order, we're leaving people vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. So anyway, thanks for joining us tonight. We have had a lot of fun and we are so excited about this podcast still. And we hope that you are sharing it and encouraging one another with it. Share it with your minister or share it with those you go to church with. It is slowly making its way out. We are now in 11 countries outside the United States and somewhere in the vicinity of between two and 300 different cities here within the United States. We don't have an exact count. Anyway, so the Lord's definitely doing a work with it. So you guys, please subscribe and help us get the word out. Don't run from your filth. Even though you are filthy. We are (laughs) filthy together. Let's be filthy together. (laughs) All right, let's just get out of here. Good night, guys. Y'all have a good one. Bye.